Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Stocks for beginners. What is inflation? It's the cruelest tax we know for people for people who are disadvantaged in financial means. How much, how different it is on a 10% inflation, how that affects a person who maybe only had a, a increase of 2 or 3% or like a teacher. My mom was a teacher from Chicago. You know, they get some kind of an increase. You know, so people live up to their means pretty much. You know, people don't save a lot. But I think when you get this inflation hit of 10% in like a year, which is what happened, it's dramatically affecting everyone. And the recession that's happening is happening now. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. And the topic du jour, of course, at the moment is inflation. And um, we've just got this surprise recording where I've just met Jeffrey G. Camus from Inherent Wealth Fund. Is that correct, Inherent Wealth Fund? That's correct. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> okay, so there's no script and we're just uh, going flying. Uh, we're going by the seat of our pants, which is always We're going. Too. That's the term I was looking for. We're going from the, by the seat of our pants. So, Jeffrey, we're recording on the 15th of June, 2022, and we've just had a very large interest rate rise. So... Let's talk about inflation. What have you got to say to start with? Well, I would say that, you know, it's been going on for a long time. I mean, if you look in for an investor, if you just want to track it, you could track something like, I think the easiest way to really, in fact, let me, let me talk about investing. And, and if you see an inflationary period again, mm. the easiest way to defend yourself against inflation as an investor is to hedge yourself in commodities. Because mm-hmm. the easiest winner on the street in the last two years has been a commodities ETF. And if you look at one of the best, one, something that I've recommended on my podcast many times, the DBC, which is the Invesco DBC Commodity Index, it's up like 160% over the last two years. What's it comprised of? Because we're talking to beginners here and they, might, they mightn't have heard of about what uh, commodities are. Well, it's, it's really anything that you consider a commodity from, you know, from oil to wheat and grains and raw mater- minerals, you know, earth, earth matter. And, you know, the things that make up that are just the basic commodities, you know, all kinds of silver and and metals and all those things. And if you watch that, and I really think that is going to be your indicator now, especially if you can X out, if you take the oil part of it out, you'll see that this thing's flattening now. It's had an amazing run. Some of the easiest money on the street. We have a problem right now because we have these incredible oil costs right now. We have oil blowing up, but we're starting to see numbers that that's flattening. Right, and the the what when Wall Street looks for this thing called the most, um, let's say the most popular trades, right? What are the hot trades? What is everybody in? Well, they're all everyone's in energy, and they're smart. And this is the other great trade you could have made money and you shorting long term bonds, right? Because long term bonds are getting pummeled because the newer bonds have higher yields, so the old bonds become less valuable. And that trade, if you would have looked at it, would have been something like the TBF, which is essentially a short of the twenty year Treasury. So when you, when you think about it, as the new bonds become, and the interest rates go up, the old bonds become less valuable, the new ones become more valuable. And so that's what's kind of happening. And those are inflationary um, kind of, I would say, hedges in portfolios. And I think when you start to see this DBC or any of the commodities ETFs kind of flattening out, that's when you're going to know we're going to be safe. 
And I think we're seeing it anyway. I don't know about you, Phil, but I'm seeing people adjust their normal behaviors. And I, I just got a call from, I'm not in the Bay Area anymore, but I got a call from a cleaning lady that I used to use. And that would be something that you don't necessarily need. It's nice to have one. But I, I moved, so I couldn't use her anymore. She was a lovely lady. I'd used her for many years. But when she's calling me, that tells me that she's not as busy because people are cutting the necessities. So I think when you hear on CNBC, you know, is there a recession? Is that happening? I think you're starting to see it. You know, and I think usually, you know, we look for things in stock market that are like, the, a lot of times when you get a, um, a company report their earnings, that's a lagging indicator, right? It's already happened. You know, so like what I do is I try to talk to somebody who's in transportation, like a logistics coordinator. I, I did an hour podcast with someone who essentially um, sells out, you know, he'll, he, he helps like Whirlpool and these large manufacturers do freight shipping on steam vessels. And he's telling me when it used to be double and triple to send, send those carriers, now it's going, going down. And that's because, you know, people are ordering less. You know, you're seeing Target say, hey, we have too much supply and people didn't buy it, so we're marking it down. It's happened already. And I think what's really interesting to me is how fast it happens. We are so tethered today financially in every which way because we're global, right? Like global to me was one of the greatest things I learned in college about the global society and how we are. We're so tethered today. You see the financial ripples go from here to Europe and Australia and back and forth, and it's like a circle. And it happens fast. So really, this thing is corrected. So yeah. with oil prices, what do you think has caused the current spike in oil prices, which is actually not a current spike. It's been going on for quite a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. This one's, this one's political, I think, mostly. I think this has been policy, um, Biden's policies against the oil companies. He just came out and said something about Exxon, that they make more money than God, which I think is ridiculous, a ridiculous comment for a business person to say to anybody. And he's obviously not a business-minded president. And I, I don't think, you know, I, with politicians, I usually pick and choose what they believe in. It's hard to pick a candidate these days. I would rather pick the policies and go policy by policy. But I would tell you at a time when really the average person's being hurt dramatically in their wealth, and I'm talking about somebody who maybe makes a fixed amount of money. And generally those people only have a little bit of residual extra income. And now with inflation, they're not making 10% more than they did last year, you know, and that's what they have to pay. But I would say the policies of this president have really hurt. And he's aligned with those kind of the, you know, more of the new, you know, I'm, I, I want renewable energy too. I, I want that to be done, but at what cost to the general public? And that's one that hurts everything. And I think that's the last nail in inflation. Cause you see the price of oil in everything, you know, when you're talking about, you know, trucks having to come to you, I know truckers who can't actually afford it because they've lost the margin in their business, then they're not making money driving. And I know that ship tankers are paying more money for their oil. So that goes into everything you do in food, every single thing. You know, if you think about the, the, the cycle of maybe a farm animal and he has to get the grain, the farmer has to get the grain to the farm animal, you know, and then the farm animal has to be, the things have to be, I don't know. It's just the cycle is all oil based. And I think most of it has to do with the policies of this president, because in, in real truth, the president, the president could go and sit down with these oil companies and say, let's cut some deals. Let's let you have some pipelines. You can make, you can pump more, you can bring the price down. And I think it is destruction pricing. I'll tell you myself, I sold the car that I had because I didn't want to pay for oil anymore. And I bought a Tesla. Is it as fun as my other car? No, but you know, I don't want to pay for it. So and that's what destruction pricing is all about. 
It's when people start changing their behaviors. That's when it's changed. Um, I've spoken to another guest who works in the oil and gas industry in Texas, and uh, one of the problems that he has pointed out is that um, these companies, these energy companies, are not interested in capital expenditure because they've been operating in such a hostile environment for so long. Well, that's right. And I think one of the problems is we don't have enough refineries here in the US. And I'll tell you, one of the companies that was going to do a refinery was Exxon. Mm. They're actually the one building one right now because it costs a lot of money to do that. And they're up against so many challenges because they're going to pay all the negative credits because because they're, you know, what they're doing with fossil fuels. People don't like that. It doesn't, you know, it's not as appealing. And so it is, it is anti that type of business for sure. And I think what you see is these leases are harder to get for them to do their, you know, to do their projects. And it's gotten more difficult to do it. And I think we, at one point, we, we were, I think we were less reliant than ever on, on Russia and foreign oil. We were at 51% of the world's oil at one point, and now that's decreased. And now we're, we become dependent again within this two years of the presidency. And how's this work in terms of, I mean, we all want to transition to renewables. There are so many people now who are putting their money into green ETFs and ESG funds. What's the dynamic in the, the way that you're seeing it and how can we transition? Uh, sorry, we're going into a really big question here, Jeffrey, but um, right. yeah, from your point of view, how are you seeing this? You know, I think that those are all good in time. I think that we we still are too reliant. If we start getting things like biodiesel, which is going to make it more efficient to get these trucks going, but so much of the 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 supply or the you know that the supply chain is reliant still on oil. You know, when you think about it, from you know getting and all these products that are made of petroleum based products, they're all out there, and we're so still still so super reliant on it. That those things will come in time, and I do believe. I do believe. Like if you if you look at it right now, I would tell you, um, I bought uh, my Tesla through a different company. It was called Autonomy. It's a different kind of company that's kind of an intermediary, and they're selling through Teslas, through, but in a different way. If I went to Tesla right now and I went, went wanted to buy a car from them, it would take me five or six months. That's how far. That's how much demand is. And I would tell you, six months ago, that was only a month, month to six weeks out. So I think it is destructive right now. You'll see it, but it's waves. And we will get pushed in that direction. Eventually, oil will become like probably $2,000 a barrel because we won't be using it the same way. So it'll be more, much more rare. But that's down the road. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com And inflation as well. It's. Um, I was reading a little piece on Twitter this morning about someone who was old enough to remember back into in the late seventies, and his job as a kid at a grocery store each week was to take the old price labels off, peel the old price labels off, and put the new ones on. And this was happening on a weekly basis. Um, and what a terrible job! <laughs> what a terrible job! But I mean, in those days, it was pretty obvious that inflation was happening because you could see it on the printed paper and on uh, printed price labels. But we're, we're seeing this now, and I just don't think people understand what it is like living through an inflationary environment because we haven't done it for so long. Well, yeah, I don't think I could tell you that um, people who, I would tell you from the investment side, 
that most advisors that are in their 20s to 20s to 40s have never seen inflation because they didn't go through that Jimmy Carter period. And that's what Biden's going to be left with as his legacy is the Jimmy Carter re- reboot presidency, because that's the last time we felt something like this. And you talk about things we're seeing in the stock market and things we're seeing in we're talking about readings that go back 70, 80 years. We haven't seen these kind of changes. But again, I think the one thing that's on our side is that we're so globally tied and tethered. It happens faster. Look at what happened. The move in interest rates is, is hyperbolic. It, it's happened so fast because the bond market is way ahead of the stock market. And it's trillions, dollar, trillions of dollars more anyway, right? But it's so far ahead. It, leads, it essentially led the Fed into the 75-point basis hike. It did it by, by if, you, if you look at the move in the tenure um, yesterday in the last three days, it's been crazy how much that's moved up. But it's, again, once again, it's leading into where it should go. Now, who knows where the tenure should go? Because that's, that's going to be a good barometer, too. If you look at the tenure over the last 15 years, it's traditionally been around 3%. But if you look at it over the 70s, that thing was as high as 6 sometimes 7 8%. You know, when you go back, and if we can't tame inflation... But I do think, I do think it's going to settle somewhere in about four at its peak because I think we're starting to tame inflation. I think we're going to see it. If you could X oil out, if you didn't have the Ukraine Russia crisis, which is a war that's so just, it's just so terrible, human rights wise, and it's it's nonsense, needless war, and really just a money grab by Putin. To be honest, that's all he's doing. And if we if we, if we didn't have that, I think that was the last lever that got pulled, that sprung this into, you know, a hyperbolic state of inflation. I like to explain some concepts that come up during the course of a conversation to beginner investors. And one is the 10-year. You're talking about the 10-year. What is the 10-year? Oh, yeah. The 10-year note or treasury, which is kind of an indicator of, you know, what someone's willing to pay at a certain time. And it, it's really tied to inflation. You know, when you see a rise in inflation, you'll see that the bonds will go up. What, but what, what, as, what is it? These are, these are bonds that are issued by the U.S. government? By the U.S. Treasury, yeah. Yeah. And as the yields go, and one of the things we're seeing too, why this is going up. So the U.S. Treasury, it's the only bond really that's, it's the most guaranteed piece of paper on the planet. And so the government, the government issues this, they're, they're borrowing money that's right. from you. And they've always been paid. And they've always been paid. And, the, and there's an interest rate and that's tied to a market. That's right. There's a market for this interest rate. Is that how it works? There's bonds trade every single day. And it's, it's one of the, and the bond pit is one of the most heavily traded that goes on. One of the things that's kind of interesting is when you get more supply and what's really pushing these bonds up too is the Fed selling them because they're selling a ton of bonds right now. And so you're getting the supply. So what you're going to get is a bigger yield. And, that, and that's how money printing, when they talk about money printing, that's the process by which money is printed, isn't it? That's right. That's right. So when we see this yield go up, it makes sense that the yields have to go up because you're getting a supply. So as, as, as more become available, they have to get rid of them. They have to give a better yield. And so when the Fed was, the Fed was essentially artificially taking the yield down by buying them. And so that, that's really where they made their mistake. If you want to point a finger at the Fed, you say, why are we buying $40 billion in mortgage bonds every month or whatever they were buying, some huge amount? And when they're running off the trillion dollar spreadsheet that they have over the next you know, many years, you're not going to know what they're selling. But as they continue to sell bonds, what you know is that it's going to push the yield up. Because the availability is going to be more. So it's going to be, have to be more valuable um, for people to want to buy it because the supply is going to be so great. So you're actually feeling that um, the interest rates are sort of peaking and inflation is peaking. I think we have, um, I think inflation's peaking. Yeah, apart from oil. If you X'd out oil, like when you say X something and you X oil, mm. I think we're getting 
a peak inflation. And I, I watch it as a consumer. Mm. You know, I like to go to the grocery store. So I've been, you know, I'm, I have my two boys with me and they eat everything. So I'm shopping more and I'm watching the price of things. You know, I look at, I want to see, you know, where's milk, you know, mm. how much are eggs? But these are, and these are the things that matter by the way, because these are the things we do every single day. Mm. You know, we buy a car maybe once every four or five years, but we buy eggs once a week or twice a week or maybe, or some or more. And we buy bread. Like when my friend, one of my friends who's, who lived in France for a long time, she told me, she goes, the, Fran- the French are just going crazy because now their baguette prices are like three times what they were a year ago. And that's, of course, because the Ukraine serves um, 50% of the, those countries in Europe with their wheat. And so you're seeing something like the uh, there was a wheat ETF that I haven't even heard of. And then I looked it up because I knew when we had the war, Ukraine's uh, production would be interrupted. And I looked it up and I'm like, wow, why is this wheat ETF going nuts? And it has been going up and up and up. And, you know, people are worried about how is, you know, how are the Ukraine going to be able to supply and get that, get that uh, wheat shipped out and get it really, um, in fact, how do they get it planted too? Because, you know, the, you know, the Russian, they're the conflict, they're just going about in any way. And, you know, they're not necessarily doing it in a, in a fair way and then that fight hmm. over there in the Ukraine. So they're being interrupted in several ways back there. And, and there's a theory that Putin is using it as a weapon against the West um, to break down resolve by limiting the wheat supply. Well, and- food would ultimately be the, the biggest punishment. But, you know, one, I did see a farmer from the U.S. You know, there's a bunch of land that we have. And I think that they've been, again, if you want to go policy hunting on Biden again, we have a bunch of land that's reserved that we could have gotten much into action. And this was an American farmer who was an investor. And he said, this land should have been already in play. We should, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't help like take care of the 50% of the worlds that Ukraine, but we could take a chunk out of that. And that has not been enacted yet. And I just saw, a, you know, this is a guy from the farmer from, from Illinois and he was talking about it. So there's a bunch of reserve land we have where farmers could have, you know, produced that wheat and it's on federal land. I can't remember the policy on what it's called, but, but there, there, there are things that have, could have, could have been done. So President Biden seems to be branding this as Putin's price hike, um, but you don't see it that way at all. You see it more as a, po- a, a series of policy decisions then. Well, you know, my mom taught me when I was a kid, she said, you know, a lot of things are what happened to you and then what you do. Why is Biden not going to the oil companies and negotiating better prices for the American citizen? Why can't we interrupt some of the taxes in California that are on the oil? Why can't we do those things? Those affect the average everyday citizen. Those are the things that matter. I mean, you can get involved. I want what? So, so Biden's big thing was to go to the, the send a letter to the oil companies, and then he goes on and he goes on public TV or national TV, and he says that Exxon Mobil or these oil companies have more money than God. Come on, do are you are you? Where's your diplomacy? You know, and, and I think there, you know, I think it's so out of touch because he's so aligned with with this with this consciousness, this woke consciousness in his party. I, I would I wish we had some moderates, really. I thought Biden was going to be a moderate. I, I, he doesn't seem like a moderate to me. A moderate would go across the aisle and say, hey, we got to work something out and go against the party. But, you know, a first-term president's always worried about his next election. I do not think he'll be elected, frankly, at this point. I think people will vote their, their bank account. And I know many of my friends from wealthy to very well or whatever are not wealthy or, or just middle class everybody's lost a ton of money in their 401ks, you know, and a lot of it has to do with this policies, you know, it's not all the fed. It's definitely not all, you know, Putin, you know, we, we do feel more of a global pull now and a push from those politics. But again, if something happens to you, then what do you do? 
you know, you don't just blame. This isn't like, you know, we're men. We, we take responsibility. We go on to the next thing. Okay. And that's what we can do. But he doesn't, he's not unwilling to, he's not very fond and he doesn't really want to work with businesses. I mean, why isn't he talking to Elon Musk? He, he won't talk to him either. You know, I don't get it. You have the richest man in the world who's actually has a lot of causes and he won't take those people on and won't talk to them. I, I don't see, I don't understand this because these businesses matter to everyday people. And going back to first principles again, we've got the Federal Reserve, which is a central bank, and they've got one job, really, and that's to keep inflation under control, which they haven't had to worry about for a long time, or uh, as we've seen over the last couple of years. Well, and, they, and they've contributed to with their, don't forget their open market policies, right? Because what they're doing when they buy things, we don't know what they buy besides bonds, but they've been buying 100 and whatever it is, 20 billion in bonds every month. For, for, for two years or three years. And, and why would you be artificially holding down the price of, home, of, of a mortgage bond? For what? I mean, home prices have gone up so much, cra- a crazy amount over the last three years. Does, does that make any sense? I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. Do you have any thoughts about wealth inequality and the effects that this has had on wealth inequality, and seem, which seem to be in opposition to liberal causes? Absolutely. I mean, this is, first off, what is inflation? It's the cruelest tax we know for people, for people who are disadvantaged in, in financial means. Because they are going to be, like, I was, I was trying to have this conversation with a friend of mine who has about 100 employees. He has a, a contracting business of a, a trade. And he's a, he's a great guy, but he, I was trying to explain to him, and I think he's, he's too above the everyday sometimes, how much, how different it is on a 10% inflation, how that affects a person who maybe only had a, a increase of two or three percent, or like a teacher. My mom was a teacher from Chicago. You know, they get some kind of an increase, but if but they're not going to meet inflation. And if they're meeting, you know, in, in, what is it always the expression? It's that um, lifestyle goes up as your money goes up. You know, so people live up to their means pretty much. You know, people don't save a lot. They were able to save a lot during COVID, I guess, because people were staying in and they had they were subsidized a lot by the government. But I think when you get this inflation hit of 10% in like a year, which is what happened, it's dramatically affecting everyone. And the recession that's happening is happening now. It's not going to happen in, in a year. I think it happens really fast. And I think what I think we're going to see maybe another 75-point increase from the Fed, and then I think it might stop. Because I think we're going to start getting it. Because I'm feeling it just in the everyday consumer, you know, when I see things and um, choices people are making. Are you going out to dinner as much? Do you buy that extra thing you want to do? And most people are stopping. That's what Target's telling you. You know, people will start shopping at the more thrifty stores like a Ross or one of the, you know, the lower price stores and they're looking for discounts. And that's what happens. And I think this is the hardest time on people who are, you know, from who are not making a lot of money. It's a really hard time for them, you know, and I just think it's, you know, it's the cruelest tax of all. I can tell you inflation. That's not my expression. I've, I've heard it before. I don't know who said it, but it, but it is. Okay, Jeffrey. Well, I think we've um, done a bit of a freestyle on inflation and uh, interest rates, but um, it's great to catch up with you. And you'll be coming on to another podcast episode very, very soon where we're going to be talking about your ETF and um, we'll give all the details then. So, Jeffrey, thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. I'm looking forward to it. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. 
Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.